So I'm, I'm continuing and I want to get right to it because you remember how last time I had like one page of notes? <laughs> I got three tonight, so I'm gonna, I got to get to it. So, um, do, do, so I'm teaching, I'm still teaching from, um, and Jennifer's not in here to help me my time. Tracy, I need you to give me like 725. I need a, I need a little five, 10 minute warning. Um, I'm still teaching from the Circle Maker book. So if you are, have that and follow along, but if not, it's okay because we're just teaching right out of it. So this, the title of this chapter, have you been enjoying this study? Man, today I was reading it and I was so convicted at one point. It was just good. I'm, I'm not even going to get to that. But I was, me and Jesus had to have a moment. It was so, I'm like, man, and I've read this book already, <laughs> but it's still so, it was good. Um, so we're going to start tonight in um, Psalms 50 in verse 10. And the title of this chapter is called um, The Cattle on a Thousand Hills. And I put the God who provides. We're going to talk about provision tonight. So if you, in Psalms 50, verse 10, it says this. I'm reading out of the NIV, Brother Donald. Um, It says this. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hill. Um, And that's kind of where we got the the chapter. That's where we kind of got the title of this book, this chapter from. And it starts out and it says that, that that God owns a cattle on a thousand hill. We know that. We've all had some rough financial times, but we've also, I hope, we've also all lived long enough to know that God is a God of provision. That if we, if God gives you a vision, he's going to give you provision for the vision. And so if God spoke something over your life, he's going to give you the means to do that because he does, and he wants us to prosper. That's part of his plan. He wants us to prosper. And so, um, if God gives you a dream, which we've been talking about dreams, God's given his church a dream. God's going to give us the provision to provide for that. We just have to, our part is to believe our part is to not say, Oh, I just can't do that because we can't afford it. Or I can't, he owns everything. God owns everything. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. So I'm going to, I'm going to start out by reading. Um, I was trying to summarize it today and I was like, it ain't working. I had to delete, delete, delete. Cause I was like, I just need to read it to you. So the, the, the author of this book, Mark Batterson is a pastor in Washington, DC. So he's in this book. I, there's a lot of examples I don't use in my teaching because it's, it was personal what happened with them. But I just wanted to read this because he's given a couple of examples about what happened in this situation. And sometimes We need to hear people's testimony because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So here's what it says. I'll never forget the day we signed the contract to purchase 201 F Street Northeast. This is in Washington, D.C. Part of what made it so memorable is that the deal went down on the day, the day after Josiah, which was his third child, was born. Our realtor had to come to the hospital so we could sign the papers. We celebrated that miracle for a few minutes, but then we got right back on our knees because we needed another miracle. We got the contract knowing that we didn't have the cash for the down payment. And he tells earlier about how hard it was to even get the contract. So he finally got the contract, but now they needed the cash for the down payment, which they knew they didn't have, but it was one hurdle at a time, right? Um, So we got back on our knees. We had 30 days to come up with a 10% down payment or the contract would be null and void. After 29 days of exhausting all of our options, we had scraped together $25,000, leaving us $75,000 short, $7,500 short. We didn't know where else to turn, so we turned to him, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We knew the dream of building a coffee house on Capitol Hill was from God, and we kept circling the promise in Psalms 50 and 10. 
The very next day, the day before our deadline, we received two checks in the mail from the former uh, people who came to our church. He calls them NCCers. Both couples had recently moved away from the D.C. area, but they hadn't found a church home yet, so they continued to tie to our church. I later found out that one of the checks was larger than their normal tithe because it was a tithe on a signing bonus with his new law firm. Neither couple had any clue that we had 24 hours to come up with $7,500, but God knew. Neither couple knew that their obedience was our miracle, but God knew. He always knows. And if we pray in alignment with the will of God, he always provides. The total of those two checks combined, do you want to take a guess? $7,500. And so we, he was talking in here about how God will provide. And sometimes we're going to talk a minute about usually not early, <laughs> but God does provide. Um, God has this habit sometimes of waiting until the very last moment to answer our prayers to see if we will chicken out or pray through. How many has been there? Where <laughs> God's like, seriously, God, you think you could have, you think you could have got waited one more minute? I mean, it would all been over. Like he does that a lot. Um, God must love the game of chicken. Do you know what that game is? Do you know if somebody plays chicken? You know, okay. So the author saw, he says, God must love the game of chicken. The trouble is we get caught playing it too. And if we chicken out, we miss out on the miracle. If we pray through, God will come through, but it may be well, it may well be at the very last moment possible. The author talks in here about how it, that's part of God's personality. Sometimes we are so focused on the character of God that we forget he has a personality too. He loves surprising us, especially when we seek him out. God loves showing up in unexpected ways at unexpected times. I love this part of God's personality. While it sometimes adds stress, can I get an amen? It also adds drama in big and small ways. It is prayer that adds the unexpected twists and turns in our personal plot lines that make life worth living. It is prayer that hastens and concludes in the climatic moments when God shows up in a dramatic fashion. It is prayer that can turn any story, your story, into an epic drama. And guys, here's, here's the thing. We pray for things in our life. We pray for a bunch of healings tonight and direction. We pray for things that we know is God's will. We know it's God's will to heal. We know it's his will. So we don't have to say, God, if it's your will to heal, because it is his will to heal. Okay? We don't have to say, God, if it's your will to give us direction. No, he wants to direct our steps. That's his will. So we know we're praying according to his will. But we just have to pray. That old phrase that we used to, we got to pray till we pray through. Until God shows up and gives an answer. And that's what, we, that's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been talking about in Bible study too on Sunday nights. But that's what we've been talking about in this whole book. About not giving up and expecting and waiting on God to come through for us. And when we, and listen, I'm, I'm, teaching you this, like I got it together. I had to stop two or three times today while I'm studying and repent because I am the world's worst at God. If, if you can't make it happen quick enough, I'll help. And sometimes I don't even ask him. I'll just help. And he's like, I don't need your help. Now you've made a bigger mess. And, but it's hard sometimes for me to trust that God's got it under control. Cause I don't know about you, but for me, there's a fine line in what is what is faith without works? What is the works part, God? Like, what is like, what do you want me to do? I've learned in my life that is not what I think it is. A lot of times in my life, it's just believing. A lot of times. Sometimes it's required action. But most of the time in my life, because I always take the action, he's like, no, girl, I just need you to believe. I got this handled. Now, 
that's no more truer than if you were parenting. I told you all these stories. I told you one last week about Hayden not trusting me with the money for the fundraiser. That's not any more true than when you have, when you have kids and they don't trust you as parents, especially when you know you've come through for them. How, how many just, I know there's not a lot of y'all in here with little kids. I have teenagers now, but how many in here, especially those with adult kids, how many, when you find out your kids are going through something and they didn't call you to pray, get a little bit offended. Like, why didn't you call me? You know, I can pray, right? We get a little bit. Okay. I think God must get like that with us sometimes. Why I see you down there worrying your little self to death, trying to make everything happen, all the ends meet. Not one time have you called on your daddy to say, hey, could you just help me out here, right? I don't know. That may not be you. That's me a lot of times because I get so caught up in life and, and knowing God and walking with God and talking with God that I think sometimes I've asked God and I haven't. I just worried. I've just worried God and I haven't ever asked God. And so I have to, we all have to get back to the place where we say, okay, God, if this is your will, what is your will? First of all, if this is your will, then I'm just going to ask you to do it. And I'm going to step out the way so that you can do it. And that's what he's talking about here. And sometimes when things don't, hey, I'm glad they came up with the 7,500 last minute, but you do understand that if they didn't, that's still not bigger than God, right? He still could have made something crazy happen. We know those stories where the contract expired, it's all said and done. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) God comes through in a crazy, where there is no other exception, but that was God, right? As a matter of fact, God loves those kind of stories where there was no other rhyme or reason to this, but it was God. And I can't explain it. It's not how I would have planned it. It's not what I would have said, but it happened. And it was God. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Okay. The author talks about how, about God's personality. We talked about that. It's like many times God provides just enough, just in time. (laughs) Can I get amen? He did it when the Israelites were trapped between the Egyptian army at the Red Sea. Remember that story? He did it when the boat was about to capsize on the Sea of Galilee when his disciples were in there because of hurricane force winds. And if we think about it, he's done it for us. I, I was just this week in our Bible study, we talked about when the children of Israel now were at the Jordan River and God parted the water and they had to walk across and it said they hurried across because they didn't know when that water was going to come back. But it said that the Lord went before them. And Beth was talking about that. Well, he didn't part that water until they stepped foot in there. We'll talk about that in a minute. And many times in our life when we're waiting on God, matter of fact, pastor said this one time, he said, a lot of times God's wait, we're waiting on God to do something and he's waiting on us to, to go. And we're wait, he's like, we, he's waiting on us and we're thinking we're waiting on him. God's like, no, I'm waiting on you to take the first step because that's called faith. It would be really easy if I did everything by God. Okay. You, you provide and I'll do it. No, God's like, you do it. Then I'll provide. And God does that a lot with us because he's testing our heart. Guys, it's this, and if you think for a minute that, man, God's not real loving, think about that as a kid. I remember when I was giving my kids swim lessons. I remember practicing. I would actually let them go under for a second because I wanted them to learn how to get to the side. I, I mean, I, I'm a mom of boys. I threw them in the pool. <laughs> I was like, get to the side, get to the side. Because I knew we lived around water and I wanted them to learn to get to the side without panicking. And I figured if I threw them in a couple of times in a controlled environment and they thought they were dying, but they knew they could get to the side when I wasn't around and they fell in water, they would knew what to do, right? 
I think the Heavenly Father loving us like I love my kids sometimes does that with us. Look, baby, I'm going to let you just feel like you're out of control for one second so that you will know to turn to me. So that when it's something major, you will automatically learn to turn to me. But how many times do we as Christians turn on God because he didn't show up and show out like we expected him to? And we've got to be very careful of that. Like he's a loving father. And just like we love our kids and, and some things we do parenting may have not to the kids seem the best loving thing to do. We got to just know that we did that out of love. Okay, so another funny parenting story. Yeah, yeah, when I write my book, you're going to be like, I don't, I don't need to read it. I didn't read all this. I didn't heard all the stories. So Hayden was little. Oh, it's a Hayden story again. And he did something and I was mad. And so he got a spanking. Now, I'm sorry for some of you grandmas. I beat his behind is what I did. I mean, he got it, right? So every time after he got a spanking, every time, he would turn into this angel. Am I lying, Pastor? He, this angel. Every time. I, sometimes I just wanted to spank him just so he'd be lovable. But he would, I mean, he would all of a sudden, that would just soften his little spirit. And he would come in there, right? Tins of the same thing. Come in there crying, I love you, Mom. I'm sorry. You know, he, okay. So this particular time he came into the kitchen. I'll never forget it. We were in the Zalmans. He walked into my kitchen. I was cook, doing some stuff around the sink and, and stove. I might have been cooking. Uh, whatever I was doing, but I was over on that side of the bar. And he comes in. He's little. He's a little fella. He's probably four. He comes in and he's, he's <laughs> I was like, he's like, Mom, I love you. I said, I love you too, Hayden. He said, I'm sorry you had to spank me. I said, not as sorry as I am, Hayden. He said, Mom, I know you say that all the time. He said, but I don't know how it hurts you like it hurts me. Because, you know, we, we tell him that, right? And I said, Hayden, it hurts my heart. He said, I don't see that. He said, he goes, you want to know what I see when you're spanking me? <laughs> I should have said no. I said, yeah. What? He said, I see. He said, I know you're spanking me. He said, but I see she shoots, she scores. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And I said, and he's so serious. And I start laughing. And he goes, Mama, I know on the inside that's what you're doing. I know it is, Mama. I know it. I know it. I said, Hayden, baby, sometimes I do feel better when I spank you. Yes. <laughs> but I am never excited about it. I'm never, ex matter of fact, usually I'm mad about it. I'm never excited. But see, for him, as this little bitty kid, what he saw, she gets enjoyment out of spanking me. What I saw, it breaks my heart that I have to beat the living daylights out of them. It breaks my heart, right? And it's so funny how we could have that same perspective sometimes with God. He's just cruel. If he, where is God? If he, would, if he allowed this to happen, where is he at? And I think sometimes if we would turn it and say, I wonder from God's perspective how he sees this. And we may never know on this side of heaven sometimes why things happen. But I do know that I'm going to, I've decided, I've made a choice to trust God. I've made a choice to believe him. I made a choice to believe that he's good and that he has my best interest in mind. And I just didn't make that choice. Like I have proof of that in my life. And does everything work out perfectly? No. But is a lot of things in my life great? Yes. And so that's, that's not even in the notes, but guys, I just need you to know that like God is, he's a good God and he will provide in just enough time and just enough and just, just in time. And if he doesn't, he just has a better plan. 
It may not look better today, but he has a better plan. And you guys get to see these, these young men that, that are bigger than me now. You get to see them and the, and the, the harvest of a lot of years of crying, tears, spanking, beating, praying, fasting, and we still doing most of that, but a lot of years of that. But I did never gave up, man, and God doesn't give up on us. And he's interceding for you. I, I don't know, sometimes I just, sometimes I get a glimpse of the Father in my, in my human mind, and he's, and of Jesus looking at the father and saying, you see, Tracy, look how good she's doing. I'm so proud of her. Look how she's making this decision. Look how she's parenting. Look how she got this job. Look how she's clean. Look how she's making the right choices now. I just see Jesus doing that and saying, bless her. Hey, dad, let's just bless her. Let's just bless her. And you know, you know why I get that image? Because that's how I am with my kids. When I see them doing right, I want to bless them. And so I know that's how God is. I can't, we, I can only make him human because that's the only way I can think. But you know he's bigger than that. And you know he loves us so much more than that. So he is a good father. Okay. Maybe you're in a desperate situation right now. It feels like you're down to your last jar of olive oil. Or the Egyptian army is closing in on you. Or your boat is about to capsize. It may seem like God is nowhere to be seen. But maybe God is setting the stage for a miracle. This I know for sure. God is always stage right. He's ready to make his grand entrance. All he's waiting is for your prayer cue. And when I was studying this today, I had to stop at this point because I thought, you know, Lord, it's during these times where I feel like all you know what's about to break loose in my life that I don't want to pray. It's at these times in my life where I'm like almost offended and I don't want to pray. Then you know the feeling. Then I, my pastor in, in a forest hill used to say, don't look at me with them holy eyes. You know the feeling where you're like, okay, God's not coming through. And so you start getting nervous on the inside. So what can I do? What can I do? What can I do to fix it? And all God's waiting on is for us to turn to him and cry out to him. That's all he's waiting on. Again, as parents, as the father is our parent, as parents, we know that. We've all seen our kids struggle with something and waited to, to see if they wanted to do it. I remember... Hayden's two years old walking out the back of the church into Zalman's and I'm trying to hold his hand. He says, mama, I got it. And I let go and he fell and we were at the emergency room. And I'm like, he didn't have it. <laughs> but don't we do that sometimes with God? I got it. And do we not have it most of the time, right? And it becomes an emergency situation. Because sometimes we try to be independent and God's like, I just need you to be dependent on me. I just need you to trust me. I need you to turn to me. I'm waiting on you. I, today, studying this, I was like, God, I'm going to try to make this. I'm going to try to make this commitment to you. I'm going to start trying to stop being self-sufficient. I'm going to try, which I know Mo is so hard. <laughs> He's probably like, "Yeah, right, girl." Like, I'm going to try because even in my human relationships, I'm like that. Most of the time, I come across as, "I don't need you. I got this." Well, you know I do that with God, and I don't mean to. I'm going to really try. I'm going to really work on that. That's something I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on trying to need people and need God some. So remember at the, the beginning of this book, we talked about the manna miracle. Remember when God provided manna to the Israelites in the Old Testament? God provided manna for the Israelites every day, but only enough for how long? One day. 
except, of course, for the Sabbath. The Lord's Prayer says to give us today our daily bread. We want, a week, we want one week or one month or one year supply of God's provision. But God wants us to drop to our knees every day in raw dependence on him. And God knows that if he provided too much too soon, listen to this, we'd lose our spiritual hunger. He knows we would stop trusting in our provider and start trusting rather in the provision. And man, so many times that is the exact case. When the blessings of God start coming into your life, then we start relying on the provision and not the provider. I think parenting is just the opposite with God, where we want to raise these kids to grow up to be self-sufficient, independent adults, and that's very healthy. God is just the opposite. He's like, I I want you to always be dependent on me. I want you to stay dependent on me. I want you to walk this walk, and I want you to grow, but I want you to always be dependent on me. I want you to always turn to me. I want you to every day say, God, I need provision today. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about the provision of grace and love and mercy. We need his provisions every day, right? Is that good? Okay. The truth is God so desires fellowship with us that he will keep putting us in situations that stretch our faith. And as our faith stretches, so do our dreams. If you pass the test, then you graduate to bigger and bigger dreams. Many times it won't get any easier. Actually, it'll get more complicated. Complications are evidence of God's blessing. Now listen, I had to really study this today to make sure I believed this. My theology was matching my reality here. Many times God's blessings, the indications of that are complications. Okay, listen to what he says here. And if it's from God, then it's a holy complication. We need to come to terms with two-sided truth. That the blessings of God won't just bless us, they will also complicate our lives. Sin will complicate your life in a negative way. And we know that, we see that every day. But the blessings of God will complicate your life in a positive way. The truth is, blessings will complicate your life, but they will complicate your life in ways God wants it complicated. Complicated so that we have to depend on him. Now, I'm going to have to just read straight from the book here because I will never be able to explain it like he did, but it's so good. Um, so he, this is Mark Batterson talking. My portfolio as a pastor is twofold. One, to comfort the afflicted. And two, to, af- to afflict the comfortable. It's the second half of my job description that is more difficult. Let's be honest. Many, if not most of our prayers are selfish in nature. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, we pray as if God's chief objective is our personal comfort. And it's not. God's chief objective is always his glory. And sometimes his gain involves a little pain. Sometimes we pray without considering the uh, implications or ramifications. When I pray that God will bless National Community Church, I am praying that God will make my life more complicated and less comfortable. Now think about this for Berwick. It was much more comfortable when the church had 25 people. It was much less complicated when we only had one service at one location. As God has blessed National Community Church, I've had to count the cost. On a very practical level, the answer to my prayers meant giving up more of my weekend to God. When we launched a Saturday night and Sunday night service, the cost was two more time slots every weekend that I gave back to God. Here's the bottom line. Praying hard is asking God to make your life harder. 
The harder you pray, the harder you will have to work. And that is also a blessing from God. Praying hard is hard because you can't just pray like it depends on God. You also have to work like it depends on you. You can't just be willing to pray about it. You also have to be willing to do something about it. And this is where many of us get stuck spiritually. We are willing to pray right up to the point of discomfort or inconvenience, but no further. Now he's moving into a little bit of this. Like there's going to, we want God's blessings. We just don't want the complications. The truth is the complications will come with the blessings. And he said, if you don't think that's true, when you got married, all of a sudden there was a complication in your life that messed up how you did things, right? And then we had two of those complications in our life that are blessings, but that cause some complications. How many as parents have I ever said this? Man, if I didn't have those kids here, I'd be rich. Could I just could be me? I'm like, if I didn't have them, I would be rich if I didn't have them kids. They were blessings, but a complication, right? Okay, when this church grows, because we're praying for God to send the harvest in, it's going to be a complication. It may cost you something. It may cost you something you don't like. We have to look beyond our selfish nature and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about me. I mean, honestly, if it was about me, we would probably have different service times. We'd probably have different music. We'd probably have different children's, different youth, because it it would meet my needs. I mean, I have two youth, so I'd probably have a better youth group than I would a children's group if it was about me, right? If it was about some of you with little kids, you would want a better children, but it can't be about us. It has to be about his kingdom. And we start praying for God to, to bless, because to, we pray blessings all the time. We should be speaking blessings. Y'all should know that. We should speak blessings. When you speak blessings, you got to know that some of that is going to cause some complications in your life. And by saying that, what I mean is going to cause some to you to be uncomfortable. Because that's how God does things. When we get comfortable is when we start getting complacent. And we get complacent, we start giving away for sin to come in. And if you don't think that's true, just start watching your mouth how you speak. When you get comfortable and complacent, you start speaking negative. Because any little thing that messes that up, God, I'm speaking from experience. Any little thing that messes that up, man, we start being negative about. But if we, we're going to have to get to the place where we realize that if we start praying God's blessings and what we want for God to do in this church, actually, God, just have your way. You, we've got to know that it may be a complication for us. But it's okay because that's what sets God's up, God up for the miracle. That's when you can look back and say, it's not really what I saw. It's not really what I wanted, but it's what God did. And we give him all the glory for it. Amen? Is that good? The reason God doesn't answer our prayers isn't that we aren't praying hard enough. The reason more often than not is that we aren't willing to work hard enough. Praying hard and is goes along with working hard. There comes a moment when you've prayed through when you have to start doing something about it. You have to take a step of faith and that first step is always the hardest. I'm not particularly talking about actually doing something right here. I'm talking about just believing. That's the first step that's hard. Like God, I'm going to trust you and take my hands out of it. And if you call me to do that, I'll do it. But I'm going to trust you and take, um, take my hands off of it and I'm going to let you do it. And not only do we need to pray We need to listen and we need to look. It's much harder listening to the still small voice of God or the Holy Spirit than it is to talk. I don't know about you, but I'm going to maybe challenge you to do this. This is hard. I I try to do it, but I'm I'm not great at it. I'm going to try even harder, but I'm going to challenge you. I try to take, during my quiet time, five to ten minutes 
It's the longest five to 10 minutes of your life to just get still. I'm saying shut off your brain and just try to listen for the voice of God. When I do that, man, I'm going to tell you, I start thinking about the grocery list. I start thinking about everything I need to do today. I start thinking about, I'm like, I got to shut things down and try to hear from God. It's really hard to be disciplined to do that. But part of praying hard is also part of being quiet and asking God to speak. And if you're not hearing him speak to your spirit, then get in his word and just read out loud so your spirit can hear it. Because he has something to say. And I'm guilty of this. Too many times I'm doing a whole lot of the talking. And God's like, well, if you're ever quiet, I will tell you what I need to tell you. And sometimes the greatest miracles comes from just being quiet. And he starts giving you keys to the kingdom. I don't, th- I don't know if, I don't know this for me, it hasn't worked, that God's ever given me a nugget or a revelation or a key to the kingdom when I was talking. Sometimes he'll give it to me through my talking. But more times than not, he gives it to me when I'm quiet before him. Sometimes in dreams at night. Because that's when he really has me quiet because I'm asleep. But my spirit is awake. So sometimes he'll do that. But God wants to speak to us. So we have to look and we have to listen. Remember when Elijah prayed for rain? We talked about that a while back. While he was praying, he sent his servant to go and what? Look. Why? Because he was praying with expectancy. We want the answer to our prayers before we exercise our faith. But we want God to move. Sometimes we have to make a move. And sometimes we have to pray for rain and carry the umbrella. So what do you believe in God for? You start looking for it. You start looking and seeking until you find it. Because when we pray and we believe God, if according to his will, especially, that's going to happen, right? Okay. How am I doing on time? Because I I really want to. Okay. So, oh, man, I'm doing good. Okay, remember when the Israelites were on the verge of entering the promised land, God commanded the priests to not just look toward the sea, but to step into the river. It's one of the most unreasonable commands in scripture. So let's look at Joshua 3, 8. You want to turn there? We're going to look at that real quick. Actually, it's amazing. Every time I start studying, I'm like, we just talked about that Sunday night. (laughs) So I've said that several times during this study with the study we're doing on on, um, Sundays. But Joshua 3.8 says this. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have God part the river. Then I'll step into the miracle. We want God to go first, right? Yes, we all want God to go. You go first. You do it and I'll do it. But it's... it's But it's often our unwillingness to take a step of faith and get our feet wet that keeps us from experiencing a miracle. Some people spend their entire lives on the eastern shore of the the Jordan waiting for God to part the river while God waits for them to get their feet wet. After you have prayed hard, you need to swallow hard and take a flying leap of faith. That's how you circle the miracle. Many, many, many times, guys, God is going to ask us to do something before he does something. See, God knows he can do his part. He just doesn't know that we're going to do our part. And is it really faith for me to do something if God does it first? Is it really faith for me to give when I already have it to give? Or is it a step of faith to give when I don't have it but God told me to? There was just something recently that happened and God said this to me. He said, if you do that, I'll provide. 
And I said, if you provide, I'll do it. And he said, no, if you do it, I'll provide. And so just like those children of Israel, I had to put my feet in the water. That water did not recede then, just so you know. When they put their feet in that water, and it said that the river was at flood stage level, which means it was very high. But they put their, because they were obedient to God. And I'm going to tell you, most of the time, maybe not most of the time, a lot of the times, when God asks you to, when God will ask you to do something, he will prompt you to do something, it will be the scariest thing you've ever done. It will be scary. Because God knows he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him that you're, you're going to be okay and I'm going to be okay. And so it, it always amazes me in my own life how easily I can trust God with my salvation. That's, I don't even question that. I know I'm saved. I don't even question that what he did on the cross was enough for me to make it to heaven. But I'll question if he can provide for my, all my bills. How crazy is that? I'll question if he can love my kids as much as I love them. How crazy is that? Like, the one thing that's the craziest to believe for, I got. Like, I, my salvation is secure. But it's all the other stuff that I have trouble believing for. And it would seem like if I believe for my salvation, that everything else should be easy. Because, I mean, think about it. I'm believing that what God did, what Jesus did on the cross, is enough to keep somebody as sinful as me to make me clean and to be able to go to heaven. To call me righteous. I have no problem believing that. Sometimes I have a problem believing that God has my kids' best interests at heart. And that's crazy. That's, that's crazy talk. So I tell London, she's five. That's just crazy talk. That's just crazy talk. To talk like that. Because God, if, if we can believe him for our salvation... Which just the mere fact that you're sitting here tells me that you believe in for your salvation, that you know that's secure. Then we can believe him for anything else in our life. Okay, I want to end with this. Matthew 17, verse 24. Guys, I don't know about you, but I hope your faith is being stretched. I hope you are taking risk. I hope you are dreaming big. Praying is a lot like fishing. Brother Rick, you're going to like this. Praying is a lot like fishing. Sometimes we just need to go fishing. Let's look at Matthew 17, 24 through 27. It says this. After Jesus and his disciples came, arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and said, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty, duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. This has to rank as one of the craziest commands in scripture. Part of me wonders if Peter thought Jesus was joking. Why does Jesus do it this way? He could have provided the coin in a more conventional manner. But he tells Peter to go fish for it. I think there are a few reasons. But I think the biggest reason is that Jesus wanted to see if Peter would trust him 
in the realm where Peter had the greatest professional proficiency and self-sufficiency. When Jesus called Peter, what was he doing? He was fishing. And isn't it something that Jesus tells Peter to go fishing for something that he could have just provided right then? I think it's interesting. I'll read that part one more time. I think the biggest reason is that Jesus wanted to see if Peter would trust him in the realm where he had the greatest professional proficiency and self-sufficiency. So let me end by reading this. Okay, after I read this, just let you know, got me right there. As a professional fisherman, fishing was the one area where Peter would have, most, would have been most tempted to think he didn't need Jesus' help. He thought he knew every trick of the fishing trade. But Jesus wanted to show him a new trick. We'll just call it the coin in the mouth of the fish trick. We know how the story ends. Peter catches a fish and cashes in the smelly coin. But if you've caught hundreds and thousands of fish, none of which had ever had a coin in its mouth, how do you have faith to believe that the next one will have a coin? It seems impossible, doesn't it? But there's only one way to find out if God will keep his promise, and that's obeying the crazy prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you a question. What do you feel like you need? Where in your life do you feel like you need God the least? Where are you most proficient, most sufficient? Maybe that is precisely where God wants you to trust him, to do something beyond your ability. It's just when you think you have God all figured out that he pulls out the coin out of the fish's mouth. And it is God's strange and mysterious ways that renew our awe and trust and our dependency. Let me spell it out. If you want to see crazy miracles, obey the crazy promptings of the Holy Spirit. Grab your pole, head to the lake, row the boat, cast the line, set the hook, and reel it in. As you obey the promptings by casting your line, you'll never know what kind of miracle you'll catch on the other side. It's time to go fish. Guys, what got me with that story was this. There's areas in my life that there's total dependency on God. Total. Because I, I know that I can't do it. Like, I don't, you don't even have to convince me. Like, there's areas in my life that I know that's a weakness of my life, right? But there's some areas in my life that because of my history, because of my past, because of my upbringing, my legacy, that I'm like, I got that under control. And that's the areas that God wants to show up and show big in. Because it's the areas where I think, even if I don't say it, that I don't need him. And God's like, that's the areas I want to show up in your life. So what areas in your life that you're not really trusting God, not because you don't trust him, but because you really don't need him in that area? That's the areas where you're going to start seeing that God's going to start doing some things in your life to say, I need you to trust me. And it's just real simple. Let's just trust him. Now, I don't know if you're like me. And you can raise your hand if you, if you feel like it. But how many have trust issues? I'll raise my hand. Trust issues, yeah. And a lot of times it's from soul wounds because of things that happened in the past. I mean, we all have, they're all legit, right? Have you ever played that game? And I mean, I sure wouldn't play now. But as a kid, you play that game where somebody stands behind you and you just fall back and, and trust them to catch you. I, n- I could never play that game. Ever, ever, ever. I didn't trust anybody to catch me. And, and Mo knows I have these trust issues. And he's like... Okay, that's all funny when it's a kid trying to catch you and you're like, I'm not, no, you're not, I'll be the one to catch because I know I won't let you go, right? But it's not funny when it's God saying, won't you step out the boat? 
When it's God saying, why don't you go fishing? When it's God saying, why don't you teach that class? Why don't you give a hundred dollars to missionary? Why don't you go to Africa? Why don't you invite that person to church? Why don't you, whatever he's asking you to do. It's not so funny then when you're like, (laughs) no, no, thanks. I can't do that. God, I'm scared to death. It's in those areas where God wants you to trust him. And so I don't know what that area is for you. I had to have a moment today when I was studying this to just stop what I was doing and repent and say, God, there's so many areas in my life that I keep you here because I got it. Because I'm scared you're going to let me down. And it's not fair to God and it sure ain't fair to me because I'm missing out on a whole bunch of God moments. And so if I can encourage you with anything tonight, I would encourage you with this. Let's look for God. Let's totally trust God. And let's just ask God in those still small moments when you're being really quiet. Say, Lord, reveal to me one area. Only ask for one at a time because it's probably all we could handle at a time. God, reveal to me one area that I'm not fully trusting you and help me. And sometimes the scariest things become the greatest excitement. Okay, do I have time for one story? This one's about me. Okay, so I don't like rides. Like, I don't like the roller coasters. Okay, I don't like any rides that I think I'm going to die. See, that's not fun to me. Mo and the boys, that is the biggest thrill of their life. Like, the quicker you come to dying, the funner it is. Like, if, as fast as it falls, they just, they love that. I'm like, I don't, okay, so that's, just, I, and if you like that, that's great, right? But for me, it's not fun. Well, number one, I have control issues and trust issues. So if any point I'm out of control on a rod, I hate it. So, but when, when the boys were little, this is how the boys were. When we took them to Disney World, wherever we took them, Six Flags, this is how it was with them. Hunter was always willing, always. Like, oh yeah, I, he, oh, I could do that, I could do that. He was always willing. He would always do it one time, and he's like, I am never doing that again. <laughs> it's like, once he knew, he was done. Hayden, we'd have to talk and bribe, and we'll pay you, you know, we'll, to get on the ride. But once he got on, he was going to ride it 15 times after. Now, if we could get him on, because usually about the time it was time to get on, his throat was closing up and he had, it was just crazy stuff. But Hayden, because little he figured out that mom don't like rides. So he would always say, if mom goes, I'll go. (sighs) So I'm trying to be like, because I don't want him to have these fears that I have about not being in control, right? So so it, it it was that, I don't know what park in Disney, but it was Mount Everest or Everest, whatever it was. Okay. It was new that year. It was this huge thing. It goes, does it go upside down? I mean, I don't know. My eyes are closed the whole time, but I don't know if it goes upside down or not. Mo has a picture in his office. Y'all should go see it of all four of us on that thing. Well, Hayden would not get on unless I got on. So I'm like, I mean, I can do, I can do all things through Christ, right? I can just do it. I'm just going to keep my eyes closed the whole time and pray. And, you know, I'm, every time I'm making all these deals with God, if you just get me off this thing, I will never get back on. I promise, I promise I'll never do this again. You know, all this kind of stuff. Just don't let me die right here. Well, in the picture, it's, if you can see the picture, it's such our personalities. Mo and Hunter are like, what? Their hands are in the air, mouth open, you know, hollering, wide, eyes wide open. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm gripping the thing. My eyes are closed. Hayden's holding on real tight to me. Now, we get off the ride. Hunter ain't getting back on. Like, it was great. Done. Check it. I'm done. Hayden wanted to keep riding it over and over again. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing it again. You know, I, my whole point of that was, was a funny story. My whole point was, so if you ever see his picture in his office, you'll know exactly what that story is. 
Mo bought the picture because he said, I got to remember this moment forever. <laughs> this is so far of our personalities. Here's the point. I want to be like that with God. God, I don't, I'll do it if you're with me. I'll even do it if, you, if you're not right beside me, but you tell me it's okay. Like, because God, I don't want to ever be that one to miss out on the thrill of my life, which by the way, it wasn't my thrill, but I don't want to miss out on the thrill of that because I'm scared or because I don't trust you. I want to make family memories. God, I want to make memories with you. I want to make you proud. So help me to trust you always. And you know, the truth is, just like with Hayden, wanted to, if mom, if you go, I'll go, because he felt secure, because he didn't trust his dad, because his dad, he's crazy. So he was like, if mom goes, then I know I'm okay, right? Hey, guys, if God's with us, we're going to be okay. Even if we step out the boat, even if we put our foot in the river that we have to cross that hasn't parted yet, we're going to be okay, because God's with us. But if we don't, we might miss some of the best moments of our life. And it's going to be not sad in heaven. It won't be sad in heaven. But I think at some point in heaven, when we see everything for what it could be, I wonder if there'll be a moment where we're like, man, that's what you had for me, God? I wonder if there'll just be a moment. I mean, I don't know. I hope not. But I'm going to make sure as much as I can that there's not that moment. That I've done everything God's called me to do. I've taken the risk. I've stepped out the boat. I've taken a step of faith. And I'm going to reap the benefits of that. And we're going to see that. And corporately, I'm asking you that for this church, corporately. Let's just believe together that the best is yet to come. This church will be full. That parking lot will be full. This community, we're taking back for, for Jesus. We're claiming this area for Jesus. God said, I'm going to give you Berwick as your inheritance. That don't mean we just get to sit back and do nothing about it. That means we pray it into existence. And we're praying that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God, for faith. God, I thank you for trust. God, help me, Lord. Forgive me for not trusting you, God. Lord, forgive me for the moments that I've missed, God, because I was afraid. God, forgive me for the moments that I missed because I said, was that me or you, God, when I knew good and well it was you? God, forgive me for that. God, help me to believe for the impossible. God, help me to have your character, God, and look for the expectancy of what you're going to do. God, I thank you for the blessings over your people, the blessings over this church. God, I know that greater things are coming. I know it. God, help us to believe it. Help us to see it. Help us to look for it. God, bless your people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.